Well, Merry Christmas. It's good to be with you this evening. My name is John Carroll, in case you don't know who I am. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope Covenant, and I consider it a gift to be with you on Christmas Eve. And as it turns out, that's exactly what I'd like to talk to you about, this idea of a gift. When I was a kid back in the late 70s and early 80s, there was one event that was the highlight of every fall, when the 600-page Sears Wish Book arrived in the mail. Anybody in here remember that catalog? A lot of you. And this mammoth catalog contained everything a kid could possibly ever wish or desire from Santa. And every year I waited for it so that I could take a marker and circle all the stuff that I wanted for Christmas. I treated the wish book like it was holy writ. It had an Old Testament, which was the first half of the catalog that consisted mostly of clothes and household gadgets and tools, a section that had to be endured and flipped through quickly in order to get to the good stuff in the New Testament, which was where the toys appeared. I cross-referenced the ads in the wish book with the commercials I watched every Saturday morning during cartoon time, you know, while watching Scooby-Doo and the Bugs Bunny and Roadrunner Hour. And in a few months, I had a pretty good idea of what I wanted and what to expect when I got it. Except it didn't really work out that way in reality. The wish book, in fact, often failed to deliver. Three such failures come to mind. The first was the two-speed action cycle, which I wanted when I was about six or seven. This was the coolest ride a kid like me could own. Powered by dual 12-volt motors, its maximum speed was seven miles an hour, which meant I wasn't able to outrace a regular bike, but most certainly able to break my leg in a surefire accident. Or at least that's what my mom thought. I also wanted an electric Super Bowl football game. You know, the kind where the field vibrates with electricity and the players wander around aimlessly like they're a bunch of toddlers in a daycare. <laughs> Notice this game on the screen features the Vikings and Chiefs from 1969, which coincidentally is the last time the Chiefs were in a Super Bowl. Hmm. Interesting. 50 years has a way of just flying by, doesn't it? Finally, I wanted the USS flag, G.I. Joe's aircraft carrier. The toy was the largest G.I. Joe playset, measuring just under seven feet six inches in length. It was based on the USS Nimitz and featured an electronic uh, public address system, which could broadcast a person's voice and included a two-piece utility vehicle, as well as a radar, missile launchers, an admiral's launch, and an elevator deck. No wonder it retailed for $110 in 1985. My wishes from the wish book never really turned out how I hoped they would. Yet every Christmas I went back there hoping to find the perfect toy that would satisfy all my dreams. No matter what age we are, Christmas is a time for wishing. Anxious kids will go to bed tonight wishing for what's under the tree. Parents will go to bed tonight wishing their credit card company would forget about all those purchases from Amazon and Best Buy. We all have some sort of a wish book running in our heads all the time. Things we desire, things that we hope that will make our life better, things that we wish for our families and our futures. That was also true in the days when Jesus was born. 
Since I spent a lot of time in the last several years studying and analyzing and circling passages in the Bible, one of the things I've come to understand in the, New to- in the Old Testament, now this is the real one, you know, the one with robes instead of tacky leisure suits. And so the Old Testament was the original wish book of ancient Israel. Many people skip over the Old Testament just like we skip over the boring parts of the Sears catalog. But those who continue to grow up in the Christian faith come to realize that the early books of the Bible are really an important part of the whole biblical catalog. Theologian N.T. Wright has said that the Old Testament is a story in search of an ending. The Old Testament is a story in search of an ending. It's the story of God creating the world and creating humans to reflect his glory within him. The humans fail, however, And God begins a rescue operation that makes G.I. Joe's USS flag, some assembly required, batteries not included, look really cheap by comparison. God chooses a family, the family of Abraham, and tells Abraham that through his family, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Abraham's family will eventually suffer as slaves in Egypt, be freed by Moses, wander in the desert for 40 years, and establish a kingdom in a land of their own. But they can't stop the sin that has plagued them since the beginning. Eventually, they are taken away and uh, out of their homeland into exile by a foreign power, and after seven year, 70 years, are allowed to return. Still, for most of their history, they are a subject people, oppressed and disappointed, like kids who hope for toys and get coal in their stockings instead. And yet there was a wish, a wish for a Savior that would be born, a Savior that would set them free for once and for all, a Savior that would conquer Israel's enemies and give them a new hope and a new life. They wished for a Messiah who would come like a mighty warrior and redeem them, making it possible for God to dwell with them once again. Some of the older people in Israel have been waiting and wishing for a long time for a real Savior, people like Simeon and Anna. In Luke's gospel, these senior citizens at the temple act as kind of a link between the Old and New Testaments. Anna would have been old enough to remember when the Romans had conquered Jerusalem, old enough to see many defective pretenders to the throne. Simeon, Luke tells us, was a righteous and devout man who was looking for the consolation of Israel, still waiting and wishing for that day to come. In fact, the Holy Spirit had told Simeon that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Simeon, a man who had been poring over the catalog, looking for the ultimate gift, would be able to see it and touch it before he came to the end of his life. I imagine Simeon getting up every day like an expectant child on Christmas morning, slowly wandering and meandering to the temple, like those plastic football players on the vibrating field, and wondering if today was the day. And then one day, a poor couple comes into the temple and to dedicate their firstborn son as the law of Moses required. He's only eight days old, still a little shriveled, swaddled in old and worn and dirty blankets. And Simeon looked at him and knew, this is the gift I've been waiting for, the gift we've all been waiting for. But it was a surprise. 
it didn't look like the picture everyone had hoped for in the catalog. Not a warrior, not a politician, not an action figure, but a tiny, helpless, leaky, burpy baby born to a family so poor that they, they could only afford the minimum sacrifice of two pigeons for his temple dedication. You know, one of the advantages that Christmas shoppers have today over the Sears Wish Book is that they can go online and look at reviews of people who have actually seen and used the products. We hardly shop for anything now without looking at the reviews. Well, Simeon provides what is the first review of the gift of Jesus, and he does it in the form of a prayer. He says, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. He gives the child in his arms five stars. This gift, this is the gift we've all been waiting for. It's the gift, however, that's bound to make some people happy and some people bitterly disappointed, especially those who are looking for a G.I. Joe and instead got little Jesus. And then Simeon says to Mary, this child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Simeon knew that this gift, this child, would operate exactly like God had promised in the Old Testament catalog. He would represent his people and represent God. He would lift up the lowly and challenge the powerful. He would be opposed by those who had read the catalog differently, who were bent on fulfilling their own wishes for power. The inner thoughts of many would be revealed, the sin and brokenness of their lives exposed, and for many, those inner lives would be healed by his peace and love. And he would love his people, love us, enough to die on a cross, taking all our sin upon himself. A sword would pierce his side, and his death would pierce the heart of his mother, who now held him in her arms after Simeon gave him back to her. But it would be through his death and resurrection that all of us would be offered the ultimate gift, the gift of salvation from sin and death, and salvation for the life and the work of his kingdom. We think of Christmas as a time of wishing, but the truth about Christmas is that it's actually a time for us to remember that all of our wishes have already come true in Jesus Christ, the one who came to save us. Christmas is a time to celebrate the gift that we've already been given. The great Christian theologian Karl Barth put it like this, to celebrate Christmas is to see salvation. It means no longer only to believe in Christmas, not only to hope for it and to wander toward it in the dark night, but to see it. Empty wishing, seeking, and desiring do not belong to Christmas. No. To celebrate Christmas means precisely to see what we only seek. It means to be allowed to take and use what we long for. Simeon saw the gift of salvation before he died. A lot of people, especially a lot of religious people, 
think that they can only receive salvation after they've died and gone to heaven. Well, at least that's what they wish for. Well, they hope that they won't be eternally disappointed. Like the kid who wishes for an Xbox and gets nothing but underwear and dress socks for Christmas instead. But Simeon saw salvation and experienced it and touched it in this life. Simeon lived the remainder of his life in joy, anticipating and knowing that even though he would die, death itself would somehow ultimately be defeated by the baby that he had held in his arms. Now dismiss your servant in peace according to your word, pray Simeon to the Lord, for my eyes have seen your salvation. This is the Easter story breaking into the Christmas story. Simeon declares at the beginning of the gospel what Jesus would declare near the end. It is finished. Salvation has come. Death has been defeated. God has fulfilled this wish book with his own son. The word became flesh. Tonight we gather with lots of wishes occupying our thoughts. Children wish for toys that work. Adults wish for a way of life that works. Some of us wish for days gone by, for loved ones who we miss who are no longer sitting next to us on Christmas Eve. Some of us wish for some sense of meaning and purpose in our lives. Some of us wish that our past sins and mistakes and choices would no longer have a hold on us. But tonight, I want to tell you that the gift you really wish for has already been given to you. It takes open eyes and an open heart to see it. And like Simeon, God will reveal it to you if you're looking for it. Indeed, it's a God that makes the first move towards us, a move of grace and love, an invitation to receive the gift you've already been given. There's nothing for us to do or think or feel except to be like old Simeon and simply receive the babe who has been given to us. And when we receive him, our wishes get put into perspective. Material things lose their luster in comparison to the riches of his glory. Grief and pain lose their sting when we realize that he has defeated death through the cross and the empty tomb. Our past sins and mistakes get erased by the power of his love, his grace, and his forgiveness. Our lives can be made new and given an eternal purpose. And when we receive him, we see his salvation made real in us. You know, I no longer have any of that stuff that I got from the Sears wish book. Sometimes I wish I did because when I looked up online, there were people paying top dollar for those toys in mint condition. Of course, mine weren't in mint condition at the end of Christmas Day. But nowadays, I'm more likely to choose something from the front of the catalog, though. Underwear and socks are acceptable gifts to get, especially if they come from the Banana Republic or J. Crew catalogs. It's fun to remember those toys and the good Christmases of past, however. And you might have some of those great memories, too. But tonight, we celebrate the gift that lasts forever. The one gift that does everything promised in the ultimate wish book the Word of God. It's the gift of salvation and life in Jesus Christ. And if you've never received this gift, tonight would be the perfect time to do it. 
You can invite this gift of Jesus into your heart right now. And let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. If you've never received this gift of Christ, you can simply pray these words. Jesus, I bring my sin, my brokenness, my regrets. I bring all the things I've done wrong, all the ways I've junked up my life. I'm tired of trying to do life by myself. Today I decide I want to receive your forgiveness as a gift of grace. I now surrender my life, my forever to you. I will live the rest of my life in this world and then in eternity as your child, your follower, and your friend. God, I pray for every woman and every man who in their heart comes to you today. You know all of their stories, God, only you. You made them and you love them. And I pray, God, that you would pour out your love in their hearts. I pray that you will deliver them from whatever would have been the wrong road to go down and just shower them with your gift of grace. I pray that you would help us see what you see and the reality of your presence and your life and your love and your strength. I pray, God, in this next year that we find a kind of lightness to our being, a new power at work in our minds and hearts. Thank you, God, that you are in the life-saving, life-redeeming business, how our world needs this. And thank you, God, for the gift of this place, this church, and for your love. And we pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, at this time, I would like to invite those who are helping with our offering to come forward. Amber mentioned this earlier, but uh, this is our time of worship where we give back just a, a portion of what God has given to us. The resources that we collect uh, through our offering um, go to help families in El Dorado, uh, help families that are in this church. Um, uh, they, they help make this thing go. And so whatever you're able to give um, would be a gift to God. And so let's pray. Oh, gracious God, I thank you so much for uh, the work that you are doing in this church and in this community and throughout the world. And God, as we give just a portion back of what you've given us, help us to do it with joy. Um, and with confidence that uh, you will take it and bless it. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.